Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. There was great times of distance, of, of time, when he spoke to some of the patriarchs in the Bible. And I know that to be true in my own life. God has spoken to me very clearly on three or four instances that I know for sure, and it was very clear, and there was years apart from each other. But when he speaks, respond and say, Lord, that's my marching order until I hear from you next. Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob analyzes John's explanation of fellowship with God through a relationship. The kind of relationship John describes is only possible because Jesus is who John says he is. If someone invites you to have a personal relationship with Abraham Lincoln or Moses or the Apostle Paul, you would think of them as a little foolish. You can't even have a genuine spiritual relationship with a dead man. But with the eternal God who became man, we can have a relationship. Remember, we don't add Jesus to our life. We enter into a relationship of a shared life with Jesus. We share our life with him, and he shares his life with us. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's study. Let it affect every fabric of your being. Don't compartmentalize your life. Allow the Lord to dominate everything of your thinking, changing your opinions concerning everything, concerning your politics. Every single thing, let the Word of God dictate all those things, and you will be blessed. You may not be liked, but you're going to be blessed. In fact, I can tell you right now, you're not going to be liked. Anyone who tells you that living the life of Christ and being born again and living this life, this eternal life that Jesus encourages to, and having fellowship with him, anyone who says, oh, it's going to be gravy train from here on out, they are lying to you. In one sense, it's going to be better than it's ever been. Eclipsing far the, the, the earth's toys and the joys, it'll far surpass those things. But there'll be an also another reality, and that is you will be persecuted. Those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's not a message you want to share to convert believers, right? But it's true. You can't leave that out. That's the reality. We have to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help us God, <laughs> Right? But in verse 3, he says, that you may have fellowship with us. And this word fellowship is a word we know very well. It's koinonia. It's the Greek word koinonia. It's a partnership. It literally is one person having a joint participation with another person in something possessed in common by both. There is an equal stake in it. And that's what fellowship really is, an equal stake in everything. 
Everything that happens to you, everything that happens to me, we're together, we are one. And there is real joy in fellowshipping with Jesus. Turn with me to John chapter 17, because this is one of the most wonderful chapters in all of the Bible that speaks of unity and fellowship, and it speaks of our oneness with God. In John chapter 17, it's referred to as Jesus' high priestly prayer, and we I would encourage you to read this whole entire chapter and underline the pronouns that are in here. It is amazing to me the the oneness and the unity that this chapter encapsulates. He uses words like us, we, them, uh, I, you, and I mean there's so many pronouns and it's all combining us, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and, and, and all of believers together the disciples, and certainly us, Gentiles. Now, we're just going to read, um, you can read uh, verse 6, excuse me, down through verse 19, and that really just speaks of Jesus praying for his disciples. Uh, Let's read it. (laughs) It's so good, let's read it. Verse 6, Jesus said to them, this is in the, um, again, sometime around before he was taken, on that night, he says, I have manifested your name, and he's praying to God, his Father. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and that they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those who you have given me, for they are yours. And all are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. In other words, Jesus was saying, there's coming a time where I'm I'm going to ascend to the heavens. And he says, and I am glorified in them, and now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those who you have given me, that, there may, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. And those who you have given me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, who is Judas, by the way, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world. Remember, John says, these things that we have heard, these things that we have seen, these things that we have heard, Jesus saying, but I come to you, and these things I've spoken in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. It's hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. I wish he would. (laughs) I would love for the Lord to just say, and there's coming a day where it is going to happen, but for now we are here to be lights in a very, very dark place. They are not of the world, verse 16. Just as I am not of the world, sanctify them. Set them apart by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. And then in verse 20 through the 26, he speaks of you and I, Gentiles. If you're not Jewish this morning and you're a Gentile, this applies to you. Because notice... Up to now, in this verse, in this chapter, Jesus has been talking about his disciples, the Jewish people. But notice how we're grafted in now in verse 20. It says, I do not pray for these alone, Jesus said, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. You know, I love the fact that we know our spiritual DNA. 
You know, Jesus spoke to his disciples. Do you know your spiritual heritage? We may not know all the things in the, in the middle, but we know that it started with Christ and then his disciples. His disciples shared with many in the Asia Minor, in that area, and that word went out all over the world. And then finally, somewhere, a boat leaves England in the 17th century, or 16th century, 17th century, goes over and America is started. And who knows the people that were there at that time, the Indians? Maybe they knew already. Don't really know. And then, hundreds of years later, someone spoke to Pastor Chuck Smith. Pastor Chuck Smith receives Christ. He begins a church. Out of that church comes Bill Gallatin. Bill Gallatin comes to the Finger Lakes and Victor. Out of that church comes Pastor Jeff. And out of Pastor Jeff comes me. This is what you get. But, you know, you see, we, we know, we, we can clearly, I mean, we may not know everybody in between, but there's a clear line. It came from Christ, and it, and, and it, and started, and it it's here, and it's, it's, it's not ending. It's beginning, continuing through each one of us. Each one of us, it continues. Be vocal about your faith. Tell people the truth. Don't be afraid. What have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? Most people that you see in just a few years, you're never going to see them again. I don't know about you, but as I, as I live and I'm, I'm, I'm realizing how our life truly is a vapor, folks, it's time for us to wake up. Your life is like this. You must wake up. Church, wake up. We have to stop playing games. Some of you may not be playing games. Some of you may be doing exactly what the Lord has called you to do, but you need to do his will. You need to get into the game. You're being lulled to sleep by so many things, and it's taking you off the course. And he's given you a narrow path. You need to walk on that path. There's going to be great joy on that narrow path, trust me. You're going to have a peace and a joy that no one can ever take away from you. But you need to get serious about your relationship with Jesus again. Please, by the love of God, be in the word every single day. Get together, pray, read, pray with your spouses, read with your families. Do whatever you've got to do. It is life and death to you. I don't know if you noticed, but in many churches around the country, there's a great mass exodus in churches. It's true. I've been reading some stuff, and it's really alarming. Now, granted, if you're going to a church and they're not teaching the Word of God, you know, maybe you should leave. But what about those churches that are teaching the Word of God? Why are people leaving? We know it's the end times. They're following, they have itching ears, wanting to hear good things, soothing things. They no longer want to hear the truth. They no longer want to be challenged. They've stopped growing. They've gotten to a place in their life where I'm like, I'm set. I've got my nest egg. I've got my house. It's paid for. I'm just going to coast until the Lord comes back. Well, you know what? He loves you. And if you're a Christian, you're going to go. You're going to be with him for eternity. But let me tell you, folks. God speaks of a judgment for believers, of what we have done in the body since we have become Christians. And that may not mean like a big deal to you. You may think to yourself, well, you know what, as long as I get in by the the skin of my teeth, that's all I care about. Well, let me tell you, when we finally get there and you see other brothers and sisters being crowned, it's going to be a bigger deal to you then than it is now. But I would encourage you now to examine your heart. 
Say, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing? When I first got saved, I was very vocal. Now I no longer talk to people about the Lord. I no longer, I no longer am really trying to seek these things and apply them to my own life. They're verses for somebody else, but they're not for me. When we get to that place, we're dying. We're dying on the vine, and we must wake up. We must wake up. God has a great plan for each one of us, and he loves you so dearly. And he wants you to thrive, that your life would have more fruit, and abundant fruit, and more fruit, and more fruit, and more fruit. That's his plan. That's his love for you. That's why he created you. He's got a plan for you. Do you know what that plan is? Have you given up on the plan? Have you stopped praying? Have you stopped reading your Bible because you're like, you know what, I haven't heard from him. Well, let me tell you something. There have been times where years have gone by and I haven't heard an audible, you know, a a voice from the Lord that's very clear to me. And he did the same thing with Moses. There were 40 years before when he spoke to him. There was great times of distance, of, of time, when he spoke to some of the patriarchs in the Bible. And I know that to be true in my own life. God has spoken to me very clearly on three or four instances that I know for sure, and it was very clear, and there was years apart from each other. But when he speaks, respond and say, Lord, that's my marching order until I hear from you next. That is my goal until I hear from you next, to do your will. And I want to know your will. Do the will of God. But there's also, as John is speaking here, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us, that you might have this koinonia with us. There's also a fellowship we are not to have. And that's to have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. In Ephesians chapter 5 it says, For you were once in, uh, in darkness, but now are light of the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And notice here, verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Expose them. You know, Jesus was hardest on the religious leaders, and he exposed them, didn't he? And I don't think there's anything wrong today when we find out somebody who claims to be a Christian standing in a pulpit and telling you that evolution is fine. No, evolution is not fine. If you believe in evolution, you are missing it big time. You can take all the science you want. No, it hasn't been confirmed. It is still a theory, thank you very much. The theory of evolution, why is it then are they teaching it fact in every single school in this country? In every college, they're teaching it as fact And you are shunned if you believe anything different. You are marginalized if you feel anything different. You are looked at like an idiot if you believe in the word of God. Well, call me an idiot. I'll be the biggest idiot on campus. I'm not afraid to be a fool for Christ. Are you afraid to be a fool for Christ? He loves you. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Have, don't be a partaker of them. Don't fellowship with them at all. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, Paul said to them, he says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexual immoral people of this world or with the covetous or with the extortioners or, I, or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you to not keep company with anyone named a brother or sister who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. 
We have to speak with people every day, don't we? Because there's a world out there that is involved in all these things, and God wants to reach them. right? But somebody who claims to be a believer and yet is continuing habitually, moment by moment, year after year, they continue in this pattern, and they aren't changing. There's something wrong. You have to repent. You have to turn away from that. You must turn away. And for somebody who calls themselves a believer and is living and being deceived, we have to tell them the truth. And if they won't listen to the truth, then you disfellowship with them. You can still love them. You can say, listen, I'm going to pray for you, brother, but I, I can't, we can't hang out together anymore because everyone sees us together and they think I'm just like you. But there's a difference between you and I. You're still caught up in your sin and you will not turn from it and I'm not going to have any part of it. I love you, I'll pray for you, but the distance is I'm drawing the line. Come out from among them and be separate the Lord says. And that certainly means unbelievers, but I think it can also mean for those who are in the church that are involving themselves in those things, come out from among them and be separate. What happened to Joshua Harris, the man who wrote the book, I I Kiss Dating Goodbye, or, or even recently from Hillsong, Marty Sampson, what happened to them? These superstars that everybody put up on a pedestal. And maybe it was because, I don't know for sure, but maybe they renounced their faith because they weren't spending time with Jesus anymore. Maybe they were up on the stage so much that after a while you're like, I deserve this. I have no idea. But something happened, and they were not grounded. For had they been grounded, they would not have walked away. But now they've walked away, and now they got even more Twitter followers. So glad you finally saw the light and got away from that Christianity stuff. We're not to keep company, not to mix it up together, not to associate with those. Come out from among them, certainly from unbelievers. We have to be in the world, but not of the world. We have to minister to people, but we don't have to be partakers of the things that they do. Does that make sense? And if somebody claims to be a believer and is involved in those things, we need to tell them lovingly the truth. And if they will not listen, then we must part ways. And Jesus was hardest on those who claim to be believers. You hear some of the terminology he uses when he talked to the Pharisees? We're supposed to be the teachers, the leaders. He called them snakes in the grass, a brood of vipers, a father of the devil. He was hardest with the family. He was hardest with the leaders. But for the unbelievers, he was always gentle and kind and bringing them in because he knew. And that was us. He was so kind to me. Even though I was in such great sin, he was so kind to you when he found you. And he will always be kind to you. He loves the unbeliever, but they have to come to him. It's non-negotiable. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And he was a very religious man. All the outward trimmings were there. Wow, this guy is holy. He's a type of guy where you'd be like, oh, wow, I don't even feel like talking to him because I feel so intimidated. And yet Jesus, a child, could walk up to him. Are we approachable? And these things, verse 4, we write to you that your joy may be full. You know, our joy is when we believe in the word of life. Those two phrases that I had you underline there in verse 2, or 1 and verse 2, remember? Our joy is when we believe in the word of life, who is eternal life, and when we have fellowship with him. Are you having fellowship with Jesus? Did you have fellowship with him this morning? Are you excited about having fellowship with him tomorrow morning? I know I am. I love to read the word of God. I've never been more excited about Jesus and the word of God 
than I have been in the last year or so. The more I've been in it, I've been more excited. I've been, I've been, I've been feeling like, you know, it's just a lifeline. It is. It's a lifeline. And the Lord would have you have that same experience. Submerge yourself in it. More than reading the Field and Stream magazine, read your Bible. There's nothing wrong with having extracurricular hobbies and things like that, but put all of those things in around the main thing. Have your fellowship and your time with the Lord first and all those other things. Fill in the cracks with all those other things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, and we're going to stop here in just a few moments and we'll take communion. Nehemiah said, in chapter 8, verse 10, it says, Then Nehemiah said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the, the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord. The Lord's joy is so different from the joy that we often experience in our country because joy to us means having all the bills paid and having everything going really well for us. And there is a joy to that, but you understand that it's fleeting, it's variable. Because one week I can be joyful because everything is going well, because my biopsy came back and everything looked good, and I still got a paycheck, I still have a job, there's food in the fridge. The air and the tires of my fat bike are still holding up to 25 PSI. Things can be good, but when those things changes and off I go, I go off in my little pity party. All the apple cart is upset now, and now I have, I'm upset, and there's no joy. But the joy that Jesus has, that God has, is eternal. It's consistent. It's always abiding, and that's the kind of joy he wants to give you. And you can only get that joy by having fellowship with him. You're not going to find it anywhere else. You're not going to find it in a joint you're not going to find it in, in some kind of oil that you can buy. You're not going to find joy watching a movie. You're not going to find real joy satisfying the lusts of the flesh. Those things are going to come and go. And you know it to be true because it's true. And the older we get, the more we realize that is true. It's fleeting. It's for a moment. And then what happens when it passes away? Do you have a joy that abides because you know that you're right with him and that you've got the Spirit of God in you and that your life is being encouraged by the Spirit of God? That is the thing that no one can take away. It's intangible. But yet, the real joy of a Christian is exemplary. It shows itself. Isn't it true? Have you seen a Christian who's just smiling and they've lost everything? (laughs) I mean, you don't have to be sick about it. We can be real. We can have our times of mourning. And, but you know what? They, they pick up and they move on. They don't sit there in their pity party in their pool of tears. They get up. They keep going like a soldier. They just get up and they keep going because Jesus has commanded them, stand up on your feet, son. Stand up on your feet, daughter. In Acts chapter 5, there was a time when the disciples were arrested In verse 40 it says, and this is immediately after the day of Pentecost, it says, When the religious leaders, when they had um, called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And so they departed from the presence of the council, notice, rejoicing that they were counted worthy. It was a joy. 
that went way beyond the natural. May we each have that joy today. Amen. I'm sorry that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.